Maybe I could be like an announcer, like a columnist. I don't believe what I just saw. You know how I always make those interesting comments during the game? Personally, I think we got hosed on that call. Yeah, yeah, you make good comments. So what about that? Well, you know, they tend to give those jobs to ex-ball players and people that are, you know, in broadcast. What about a talk show host? This is In the Booth. Talk show host, that's good. <laughs> I think I'd be good at that. I talk to people all the time. With Matt Park. And welcome, everybody, In the Booth on a hump day Wednesday. Unprecedented to have a day like this after back-to-back home basketball losses against non-conference teams. And uh, last night, the Orange upended by Buffalo, a familiar script to what we saw Saturday against uh, Old Dominion, except that Buffalo's better. Old Dominion's pretty good, better than people know. Buffalo's legit. And what, what, is, what are you doing? It's the end of the world as we know it, Matt Park. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> See, I, I, I need my man Sean, the previous caller, who got all fired up and breathless. I want to channel my inner Sean on you a lot of the time, Polly. <laughs> and you're probably better off just don't provoke. Okay, sorry. Okay? If you want to elicit phone calls and get people going, have a conversation here, have some group therapy, I'm all about that. 437-7644-ESPN44. People are obviously they want to take out their venom. They want answers. Just ran into somebody on the street. I'm going to get a sandwich. That's how I do it, right? I stress eat. That's why I'm going to be 300 pounds someday. I just crushed a glorious sandwich that had onions and cheese in places where most people wouldn't even dare to dream. I sat up last night and thought no, I, about I, it. I, I, I didn't ha- do that. I, I, I did, did the opposite I, It's of that. the first time I've ever done that. I couldn't get over it. Well, what I was getting at uh, was that somebody just stops me on the street. What's the matter? What's the problem? I said, well, how much time do you have? Where, where do you want to start? And we hit a couple of things. You know what I did last night? I got home at, uh, I don't know, probably 10 minutes to midnight. Then I put on, I had some work to do on the computer. I put on Netflix, and instead of watching uh, Friends, you know, for the thousandth time or just something that I put on mindless, I said, maybe I can get smarter here. I'm going to do something entirely different, and maybe I can use this time for some sort of benefit you know what I put on? World War II in color, Polly. That's what I put it's on. Awesome. It's I'd, awesome. I'd never seen it before. I thought, shoot. Multiple watcher of that. I just need something on in the background and educate me a little bit. Change the subject. I don't need to think about basketball at midnight right now. There's other people worrying about that stuff. And then so today I watched had another episode. And I'll probably watch it the rest of the day today just to have something else going on. I highly recommend it. Calls are welcome. We'll line them up. we got some Coach Beheim sound. We have Adam Terry coming up. We'll see if Adam's flexible because in the anticipation of a uh, high volume of discussion here on hoops, we might push Adam to the last uh, 10 minutes of the show or so. It is signing day. Everything going as planned for uh, the Syracuse football program because they plan to bring in something like 17 players uh, in this uh, cycle here and uh, so far so good on that front coach babers is having a press conference today at 2 30 so uh, we'll get into more of that uh, over the course of time but today uh hoops and who's uh who's the first to call and vent today Polly? and yeah, we're, we're off to a just a rousing start fantastic <laughs> how about since my name is matt we don't take any callers with the name is matt because we're already 0 for 2 on that this week matt in rochester potted up not there 
Madden, wherever he was in today, potted up, dial tone. There's, there should be no reason not that, to have right? calls today. Where's our guy Sean? Sean was at f- just frothing at the mouth on that uh, previous show. Sean, if you want to call back, we can do it. I, I don't know if you still have the juices flowing the same way. We can get the discussion. People can just chime in at any time, but I'm going to just say here, you have to sort of separate a bunch of things going on right now. Everybody wants answers. Everybody wants to argue about a lot of different things. I think you need to put all of these issues into little piles. Some you can't deal with. Some are just circumstances. Some maybe you can work on. Let's just come to some understandings here. One of them, you know, back-to-back losses – at home, period. Not back-to-back losses, not good. It happens if you play in the ACC. Back-to-back losses at home, also not good. Doesn't really happen very often, but is known to occur from time to time against good competition. Back-to-back losses at home against non-conference competition literally is unprecedented in the history of the program. Literally, it never that had never happened before. Now there was a time when the schedule wasn't super tough. The schedule's gotten tougher, et cetera. One thing I'm here to say to you that I think people who don't follow college basketball for a living, like some of us in this building do, Buffalo's legit. I know it stinks. To, you know, go through my Twitter last night. Lose to a SUNY school. All right, it's not Coble skill. Okay, <laughs> SUNY New Paltz didn't roll into the dome and beat the Orange by twelve. Buffalo is legit. It's a major school. They have resources. They've worked to get better with their program. They've hired a couple of good coaches in a row. They have seniors. They have five seniors, a real core of their team. They've been to the NCAA tournament. They're going back there this year. They're going to win 30 games. They're legit. Old Dominion, who people don't know any different than Ithaca College, is also pretty good. It's not a good loss. I'm not here to condone it. I'm not here to say it's great or, you know, let's go do cartwheels. Old Dominion's better than you know. Old Dominion is probably going to make the tournament this year and it's going to win 25 games. And if they do, it's the fourth time in five years that they've done it. So these aren't exactly uh, patsies that you rolled over to. I'm also going to go with Coach Beheim. Let's play the one. We'll get to the phone call here in a second. I'm with Coach Beheim on this, that the expectations for this season, which were through the roof, were born out of, well, Sweet 16 made everybody back. You have to understand that last year's team was not a Sweet 16 caliber team. It just caught fire for a week and a half, and that's what got them Sweet 16 status. The expectations are all based on we won three games last year. We lost 14 games last year in the regular season. We have the same team back with some help, but it's the same team that lost 14 games. So there's a reason we lost 14 games. So having all five starters back doesn't mean... They lost 14 games. I've seen teams with all five starters back that lost 20 games. This team lost 14 games last year in the regular season, I think, somewhere in there, pretty close. So we were not a good team. We came on at the end of the year and played three one-point games. And Arizona State had a jumper, corner jumper wide open from their best shooter that would have won the game. We would have gone home. He missed. So, you know, we're that team. We we have not demonstrated to me that we're better. Here's the deal. When you say all five starters are back, it presupposes that there's going to be not just those five as good as they were, but improved. We'll touch base on that. 
Also, one of the reasons you have all five starters back is your best player, and one of the best players in the conference, Tyus Battle, was just not quite good enough to be drafted. If he was going to be a surefire top 15 draft pick, he would have been gone, and you wouldn't have had all five starters back. That's not a knock on Tyus. And to, to be just short of that is still really, really good, but that's why it's rare to have all five starters back. Also, I think a lot of expectation was born out of Darius Baisley because you're going to add that to this mix, and then that didn't happen, and how much would he help right now? So we'll come back to that, uh, get to the phone calls at uh, 4 ESPN 44. All right, Paul, fire him off. Matt. All right, Matt, we're going to try again. Hello, Matt. Hello, I'm here. Very good. Go ahead. What do you have? Um, I just had a couple points about the centers. I know everyone talks about uh, how uncomfortable it is watching Paschal get the ball. And I agree, it is it is uncomfortable. But I think that a lot of that is is just that it's comfortability. He never gets the ball, so when he gets it, he's not he's not quite too sure what to do with it. And I think he might be a little panicky. I was at the game last night, and I noticed that even the crowd got pretty antsy when he would touch the ball. It can't be good for a kid's confidence to feel that way. And the other the other point I wanted to make about the centers was the biggest. Uh, Everyone talks about missing Baisley, but I think the biggest miss out would, would be Thompson, Tareen mm-hmm. Thompson. I think you put him in the middle of this team, you got a, a much better offense. You got a guy who can catch the ball at the top of the key and, and make plays. You can have O'Shea cutting and Elijah backing out to the three with, the, with a guy capable of making that pass or making that, that decision to go to the hoop. 1,000%. So uh, yeah, I'm, right, I'm right with you. And, and here's the deal. Because the big guys are not a threat, not only are they not going to do anything with the ball, it's rare when they do, you can't even throw it to them on the hope that they kick it back out and distribute because they might not catch it cleanly. They don't uh, turn and act with the ball. You don't want them dribbling, but even if that were ever called for, they just don't do it. I mean, Pascal, he's 7-2. He's just not as far along or polished as you would hope somebody would be. He's relatively new to the game, and it's just not – coming quickly enough. So Matt's points are spot on. We've said about Torian Thompson, if he were here, both teams would score more. Torian is a gifted offensive player. Uh, one of the best, Coach Beheim said, one of the best offensive players that he's ever had at that size. Put him up there with John Wallace as a freshman. Torian wasn't even aware that defense was a thing. Forget about not being good at it. Wasn't even a uh, guy who would, would score. He's like, hey, what's that guy doing down there? We're, we're playing here. So both teams would score more. The defense would not be good with Torian Thompson in. The offense would be better. It'd be more fun to watch, et cetera. Um, I think the offense is stagnant right now because there's not the in to the post and then back out ball movement. For what it's worth, and Paulie's looking it up right now, Torian Thompson isn't playing a ton at uh, Seton Hall. but Probably because he doesn't play defense. He doesn't play defense. He is a gifted offensive player. I mean, really, really good and would help this team in that area. Because even O'Shea Brissett, who's gifted in so many ways, an incredible athlete, O'Shea is not an around-the-rim finisher. He hangs around on the perimeter. He faces the basket. He's not a guy that you post up on the block and throw it into in the way that uh, Torian Thompson would. So I think everybody wants to crush the roster composition or the coaching staff. They're responsible for, you know, they get these guys signed up, Darius Baisley and, and Torian Thompson, both who have moved on, I think you have to cut them the slightest bit of slack in terms of how much better the Orange would be if they had uh, their full complement here. But uh, at the same time, who are you taking off the floor to put Torian on? I guess it would, in his case, he's 6'10". He could go in and play the back back middle of the zone. 
um, you know, and Pascal and Barama would not play, then, you know, I'll stick by what I said. That would be a very, very good offensive team. Very good. He is But uh, would give up a lot of points. He's averaging six points a game, did drop yeah. 13 on Kentucky. Yeah. That team would have uh, zero resistance around the rim. And Pascal, too, does, does all, yeah, right. I mean, Pascal, he alters shots. It's just astonishing how much of a rebounder he is not uh, for the size that he has. He's so easily blown off the ball. And, and you know, that's not – I mean, coaching can address some of that, but he's also – he just isn't thick enough and doesn't have the, the base right now to contend with, like, a Nick Perkins of Buffalo who's 6'8", 250. All right, go. John. All right, John, what do you York got? City. Hey, how you doing? Uh, the previous caller literally stole exactly what I was going to say, but what I was getting at is yeah, we can't really blame the coaches right now. I, I think we're forgetting how important Darius Basley would be and you know him deeping and you know dropping his news in April. You know We put all of our eggs in one basket recruiting him, so it kind of really messed, up that, uh, messed us up that recruiting cycle. And, of course, Torian Thompson leaving doesn't help. But it seems you know Brahma and Pascal, to me, are you know essentially a very similar player, if not the same player. And I think we've just kind of been focused on all these project centers over the year with Bayou Cicada, Fab Mello, Barama, Pascal, and we need that immediate impact player. And I'm taking a look at this incoming recruiting class, and it seems we're just becoming so guard-heavy. I really don't know much about this Bull, a jock player, but he kind of seems like he might be another type of project big man. And, you know, it doesn't seem like we're really addressing this big man position. Uh, yeah, I don't. I think you're right, except that I don't know that that's a function of not addressing it. We don't need to cut off the callers, Paulie. We can, can leave them up, but... But uh, I think the way recruiting is approached is there is a focus on that prototypical Syracuse athlete. Hakeem Warwick leads to Jeremy Grant, leads to O'Shea Brissett. That's the guy. C.J. Fair. When Coach Beheim talks about we're looking for somebody that fits our zone, and that that's who they're trying to get. They also had a run of very good point guards for the most part. Then at that big man position – it does feel like, yes, you're getting the, the projects, you're getting size, length, and not finished products. And I'm here to tell you, nobody's getting those finished products. There's just not a lot of them out there. Every team has one of these big, you know, Pascal Chuku and Brahma Sidibe, their background is playing soccer in Africa and coming over to the States and just kind of figuring it out because they're big. And they're just behind in terms of development. It, it takes a long time. Um, and, you know, Bull Bull's the exception. And there just aren't that many of those. Uh, he played with Oregon. I just quickly want to say this. I think Barama Sidibe has a little bit of a higher ceiling than Chuku because he's just a little further along. He played at uh, a prep school in New Jersey. Uh, I believe he was coached by Mike Rice, the former Rutgers coach, at least in the AAU circuit. Um He's just more has a little bit better pedigree and polish when it comes to that. I think he's the kind of guy who has the chance of being someone you could throw the ball to in the paint. I think with him, I'm not really sure why Pascal doesn't have lift because he has no lift. Barama doesn't have lift, I think, because of the knee surgery from, from last year. And There's just not a lot uh, going on right now with those two guys. The other thing with the Syracuse center position is you're required – to be able to move. <laughs> like right. You've got to be able to get out to that three-point shooter in the corner, whereas if you're playing center on another team, you can stand in the paint the whole time. You've got to be athletically yeah, I'm gifted trying to, to think of a guy try and get out. That maybe we've seen on an opposing team that's even fit the profile of what you're talking about. And, and you're right. There, there Perkins, could be, I don't think, could go side uh, To cover that kind of ground, no. 
Although Perkins, like offensively, hangs yeah. around the three point arc. Yeah, you know, and 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 uh, he, Perkins, you know, I thought last night. Look, this guy could just lean into Pascal and either break him into or or knock him out of the paint. And so uh, that's a bit of an issue. I think recruiting guys is not it's not shopping. You, you know, there, you can only get so much. You, you put your effort uh, into certain things, and then you take. What's left? You're not going to have a stud at every position uh, at Syracuse. You know, can you at Duke? Yeah, yes, yes, you can at Duke. You know, and, and a couple of other places. But uh, that's just not the way it is here right now. And I think that right now, what you're seeing is the manifestation of a, a couple of issues related to recruiting and development. And you especially run into a Buffalo team that has, you know, Nate Oates wants to say, he said after the press conference, I think we have better players in Syracuse. I don't buy that. I, I really don't. I think two or three of their guys could get significant run for Syracuse, maybe more than that. But I don't think they're overall better players. I think they really benefit from seniors versus sophomores and freshmen in, in some regard. And Syracuse is the type of program that we've talked about this uh, forever and ever, is not going to have a lot of four-year players. They're going to get players that – have professional aspirations, and in two, three years, they're ready to go, or you know, at least they're ready to take that jump, and they take that jump, and that that's what's happened here uh, in recent history. Stephen Orsier. All right, Steve, what do you got? Uh, for, firstly, if if you like World War II in color, uh, please go out on December twenty seventh when they're showing a documentary, a Destiny, called "They Shall Not Grow Old." It's all about World War One, and what they've done is to remaster World War One footage and colorized it, and it looks like they just recorded it. Wow. Uh, and it, 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 it's a really stunning thing. They're, they're only showing this documentary a couple of times. One was uh, last Monday, and then they're going to show it again on the 27th. Uh, they've got it both regular and, and, and 3D, and it's going to be on at 4 and 7. So uh, you might want to check that out. Well, anyway. we'll be at the uh, we'll be at the bowl. I'm going. Uh, you're going to go. I would. I'll go check that can out. You, in a second. Can you bootleg well, it, it for it, me? It might be playing down there too. Uh, yeah, there anyway, uh, I wanted to uh, uh, comment on uh, a couple of different things quickly. Firstly, as far as the big men go, we, we seem to recruit an awful lot of foreign big men who have, as you mentioned, didn't grow up playing the game. Uh, if you have a big man. Uh, they always say it takes longer to develop, and it obviously takes longer to develop if you haven't grown up playing the game. Uh, there's got to be American big men we can bring in who have always played the game. We, we, we look at some of the teams we've played, guys like Perkins and Jesse Galvan. I don't know where he comes from, but it seems to me if we would concentrate on domestic big men, uh, they might develop a little bit faster for us. I'm also frustrated when Beheim says, uh, we can't run, we can't press, nobody does this anymore, because uh, Buffalo is averaging 85 points a game with, as you mentioned, players that are not necessarily better than, than our players. Uh, there are teams that, that, that still press. It seems like we don't do a lot of things just because uh, Coach Beheim doesn't want to do them, and then he claims that nobody does it anymore, and that's that's kind of frustrating to me. I think that's a fair criticism. I don't know that you'd go point for point, but I think Coach Beheim does use that as a, an explanation to say, uh, hey, nobody does this and we're, we're not going to do it. I, I just want to throw a couple things out there that are my own observation. What I see around 
college basketball and and just basically to, to Steve's point, I think one of the reasons Syracuse doesn't run, look how many times the two guys that would be their running as players, to, in my mind, that would be most responsible for them playing up-tempo in the transition if they were to do that, are Frank Howard and Tyus Battle. I don't think either of those two guys really wants to go. I, I think a lot of times you see them pull up in the backcourt and then kind of come up and look for their opportunities, and that allows the defense to to get set. I, and maybe I'm wrong. You know, may, Maybe there are uh, more opportunities to run. Uh, I don't think a lot of teams are actually pressing, if that's what we're getting at. And the one thing I will say about big men and the origin of them, there are a lot of African big men. That's just the, the way it is. I started to do a little homework this morning on Arkansas State. Their guy is from Mali in the same – same place that Brahma Sidibe and Pascal Chuku are coming from. And, uh, you know, are there domestic big guys? You know, Jesse Govan, yeah, he's American. Um, Nick Perkins is American. Bol Bol, you know, is not really, you know, he, he obviously is born here because his father uh, played in the NBA here. That's not his background. You know, if you're talking about the, uh, the very best. I don't know how many there are. To go around, to be honest with you, Steve, and, and uh, I don't know. Do you want Craig Forth? Take him in a second. Well, sure you would, right? One thing Greg Forth did better than the, the, the current guys that are here now, when he set a screen, the guy was screened. Yes. You know, and I don't sense that. I don't, you know, Pascal's not blowing anybody off the, the ball on a high uh, pick and roll action. Uh, I don't think, you know, you weren't really throwing it into to Craig Forth. A great deal, but I think he got his share of rebounds and you know that type of thing. But he he wasn't a liability with the ball. No, and he wasn't as athletic. Yes. I mean, you know, as, as some other guys. So um, it's e- easier said than done, I guess. Is the the point I'm getting at in terms of uh, the composition of the roster and the development. But uh, Syracuse obviously would be a lot better if that position was developed. It's already two twenty four, Paulie. What yeah. are we what are we doing here? I'm going to ask you a question before we go to break, and yes. you can come back with an answer. Yes, maybe that's a tease. Do you think? Tyus Battle should shoot the ball more. Okay. All right. We'll get to that. And your phone calls. Hang on the line if you're with us. 437-7644. This is In the Booth. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance. In your corner. Lots going on here today as we're fielding the phone calls. We're just getting people to let them lay on the couch. You can just sort of vent, and we'll uh, try to do our best to uh, talk it through here a little bit. The Orange now 7-4, and four, and uh, with their work cut out with the season ahead, two more non-conference games, they'll be favored in both. Uh, Arkansas State comes in Saturday. They're only 5-6, and six, and then St. Bonaventure on the 29th. Paulie's question is, I think, do I think Tyus Battle should shoot more? I think Tyus Battle should shoot just about as much as he wants to. Uh, he lasted only 10 field goal attempts. Really, for the guys who are going to be your scorers, Battle, Howard, Brissett, Hughes, they all had double-digit attempts last night. That's about right. Hughes is a very consistent, good scorer. Brissett had a good game statistically, isn't making a shot. The free throws really alarm me for the team, but uh, Brissett uh, in particular, I'm fine with Battle shooting between 10 and 15 times a game, and I think he should. I think he looks for the right basketball play. I think he doesn't want to be selfish. 15 to 20. Yeah, I mean, that's 20 shots, a lot of shots. You get them for, up. For one, one put it, guy. Put it on the glass. And if I felt like they could rebound better, I would say, yeah, take as many as you can get. You know, can Brissett is so gifted athletically. Can he 
rebound more on the offensive end, but he uh, tends to be around the perimeter a little bit uh, on the offensive end. Ten of his 12 boards last night were defensive rebounds, and he had good, you know, he gets up ahead of everybody. In uh, NFL term, he high points the ball. All right, a couple of quick calls. Let's go to uh, Brendan next on the phone. Hello, Brendan. Hey, Matt, what's going on? How are you, man? Good. I think if uh, you would have told people in 2018, uh, you, if you would say Craig Forth would be uh, people like having be our center, there'd been universal laughter across the entire city. But the more I think about it, the more I think you're right. Um, the, the point that I wanted to make, and I guess I'll ask you some more of a question than a statement. From your vantage point, look at this team last year. Tyus Battle was in the running for ACC Player of the Year. O'Shea Bursette came out, you know, out of nowhere. Not out of nowhere, but he came in and really provided a huge spark. Marak gave you something he didn't realize you had. I think that pretty much, I think you would agree, they, they really, as a team, gelled extremely well last year. Um, they, they made baskets at the right times. They had took opportunities and they had them. This year, from what I can tell, it seems like they've almost regressed in every single, every single position. It seems like that the team that they have, that they're returning almost all the same players, as a matter of fact, I think all the same players, they're not doing what they did even last year. And I guess that's what's frustrating as an SU fan is that you would think that a team that's had a year under their belts playing together would get better, not getting worse. And from what I can see, they've quite frankly gotten they've gotten worse. So I, I, I remember I called you guys yesterday and said I don't want to criticize coaching, but, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really at a loss for how a team that knows how each other plays. And it's not like we have a bunch of new guys coming in this year. You can understand losing some of these games if you've got a whole new crop of kids, but – for a team that's, that's played together as long as these guys have, that's where the, the head scratching comes into play. I want to get your feedback on and, and what, from your vantage point, what you think sure. the reason is for that. No, I, I understand, uh, Brendan. I, I think you're rounding up a little bit from last year. I, I think you're maybe just overestimating because last year, for most of the regular season, we're scratching our head. Hey, why is this not working out? They really caught fire, particularly on the defensive end in the postseason. They were able to make a big shot here and there. And that's kind of happened again in a couple of their wins this year, most notably uh, the Georgetown game. I think if you look at who in particular has taken a step back, I don't think Battle has appreciably. Uh, he's you know playing slightly fewer minutes. I mean, like one less minute or two less minutes a game. Battle's right there. I'm not worried about Battle at all. O'Shea Brissett, you know, has maybe not been as consistently good as he was a year ago. I, I think you know, to me, he's and to my untrained eye or slightly more trained than the average bear, I guess, but I'm not a coach. I just like to see him play closer to the basket sometimes and, and use his gift and his, his matchup ability there. Elijah Hughes is a killer. I think he's an addition to what happened uh, last year in a good one. So a couple guys I would set aside that have uh, to this point regressed, and that's Frank Howard, who has just not gotten it going. He had that injury right as training camp was starting. I think you have to cut him a little slack on that, but now the time for that is over. He's back to health. He's had, you know, his training camp now has just been real games. His exhibitions are, are you know, maybe Old Dominion and Buffalo or whatever you're going to say, but it's time for him to get going. He did have a season high in scoring last night. They, they turned it over way too much, uh, and Howard was guilty of that as well. But for the most part, uh, this year he's been strong with the ball. I think better things are ahead for him. Um, He's just not clicking right now. And Marek Dolajai is a guy who last year I think you viewed totally as a bonus. At least I did. He was a disruptor, good energy, everything he brought. Well, now when he goes out and he's asked to play a position that's over his head at center 
or he's really sent into the game with the need that he does something, that's not been a great role for him. So I think you have to look at how do you improve off of last year? It's the, the additions have a lot of burden on them. Elijah Hughes has been consistently at 15 points a game, literally almost 15 points. You know, it's almost exactly 15 points every night for him. Uh, that's not 13 and it's not 20. Almost exactly 15. He's got to be there and can't have a drop off. And every once in a while, you'd like to see could he win you a game by scoring 20. Tyus Battle is going to have to score 16, 18 points again this year. I don't. I didn't think Tyus was going to take a step forward in terms of production this year because we thought there would be more mouths to feed and and uh, other people to share. So Hughes has to provide what he's providing so far. I also think you'll see Jalen Carey play more and uh, contribute more. Last night, Howard got 32 minutes and Carey 10. I think as that goes forward, you might see Carey get a few more minutes. Can they play a smaller lineup where both Carey and Howard are out there at the same time? But I... We'll see. I'm not taking Battle, Hughes, or Brissett out of the game ever. I mean, they're, they're, for me, they're playing 38 minutes uh, easy and 40 if needed. So maybe a small lineup does something here, and uh, that's why the coaches get paid a lot of money to to figure it out, and uh, and we'll see how it goes. You could hear Coach Beheim kind of take the, the longer view because he knows that's what it's going to take. They just have to be better at the end of the year and have to not absorb so many losses that they'll be out of uh, tournament consideration. Jim is next on the phone. Hello, Jim. Hi. How are you? Good. Fire away. Um, I guess I got a pretty simple perspective, I guess, coming from a coaching background and, and, and an athlete perspective. Um, I don't think any individual needs to do too much more. I think the talent's there. I think there has to be something going on on an overall commitment level, buy-in, because if you're not getting it done at the 12-game mark where you have some synergy and harmony between each other, which means level of effort, level of setting fundamental screens, moving in sync with each other, making adjustments where other teams already know that you're not putting the ball down below on offense because you don't have the talent. They got us figured out, and we're not making that adjustment yet. And it shows, and last night, many of the comments that a lot of fans and reporters are saying is, geez, what a difference in the effort on Buffalo's side versus Syracuse's side. Is there any truth to that? You know, I don't know. I, I think that's a really hard uh, condemnation of a team to say they don't have effort or didn't put out effort. I don't think I, they're sh- – just one second. I don't think they're short on effort. The and, and we'll have to look at it more closely because I do think it's true that Connecticut wanted the game more. I think it's true that Buffalo got after it as more physical. I think Old Dominion, same thing. And that's three of the four losses right there. Sure. Um, so – is that I think there's a definition or difference between um, the way that some teams grind and sort of effort or interest. Like you know, I don't think Syracuse is losing because of disinterest or because they're lazy or, or lack. I, I just think it's there might be some sort of gap in an understanding where look, some of these guys, and again, most of these teams that Syracuse is playing are not as talented, 
And when you're a less talented player, I think you are more of a grinder. That's the whole theme around the Buffalo program. I don't know if you were there early enough at, at the game last night, Jim, to see. I did. Okay, so did. What, what were their assistant coaches wearing? They were wearing those blue-collar, like, auto shirts. Yeah, like grease monkey shirts, right? Yeah. So, so you know, the guy, the guy who's uh, fixing your brakes wears the same shirt. Yep. So That's one of the cool. things, I was, you know, it, I, was standing, I was standing with my son just at the yeah. game last night, and it was interesting to hear their perspective. They're, you know, both four good high school athletes and played college sports. And they said, Dad, take a look at the way the body language is with Syracuse versus Buffalo. Look at the, the, the little extra pep in their step as they work out, as they go through some things. And I thought that was a pretty neat perspective because when I played high school and college sports, I always kind of view the other team to catch a mood. I don't think it's a lack of effort. I think it's we're not totally in sync at this point because our strength last year as the season went on is how well we dug in on defense which helped create some opportunity on offense. Yeah, and I think that, you know, you're, and I appreciate the call, Jim. I think you're uh, 11 games in, you got 20 games to play, and maybe you do see that develop. I think you have to leave the door open for that. It is slow and coming. It is understood that, gee, I thought you had everybody back. Why do you need to reinvent yourself? Well, each team is different. There are two new players. Frank Howard's a key piece that was unavailable for a while. So I, I, I think there's some of that. I don't really think it's lack of effort. I think it's just sort of a, a grit. I think these other teams, Buffalo comes in with a chip on their shoulder. For them to come and win at the Carrier Dome, you could argue that's the biggest, well, not to Arizona last year in the tournament, but that's one of the biggest wins that Buffalo's ever had in their in their history last night. For Syracuse, it's a Tuesday night in December, and there's a lot of pressure. That was all for Buffalo to gain and for Syracuse to lose last night. And I think that does weigh on the guys a little bit. And, and I think, you know, certainly you can get well against Arkansas State. You should you know, have no trouble with St. Bonaventure. Can you start to build a little momentum and then let's check again and, and see whether we think it's effort. All right, we'll take a break here. We're uh, playing on the patience of uh, Adam Terry. We'll try to uh, see if he still answers our phone call next in the booth on ESPN Radio. This is In the Booth, presented by CH Insurance, in your corner. Welcome back, everybody. Lots of uh, good stuff today. Good calls today and uh, all I think fair reasonable uh, vantage points we appreciate that we'll be back tomorrow to talk Syracuse uh, hoops certainly at uh, 2 o'clock Mike Waters joins us on the show tomorrow at uh, 2.15 and then we'll uh, get into some more on Friday ahead of the uh, Arkansas State game 2 o'clock in the Dome on Saturday time for your best caller of the show it is it's uh, Adam from uh, Queensbury Joining us on the line. Long time, first time. Yes, long time listener. In fact, I'm not even sure he listens, but uh, we call him quite a bit. It's uh, Adam Terry. Hello, Adam. Hello. Thanks, Paulie. I appreciate it, man. No uh, and no, I don't listen to anything that Paulie's involved with. So. I hear that. I miss you, Adam. Yes. Uh, we're we're going to miss Paulie in Orlando next week, but this is the last chance. What? Uh, <laughs> that, I'm sorry. Is that news that to you? ain't so, Paulie. <laughs> I know, right? I was looking forward to going to Disney with the Terrys, but I can't. They can't afford to send me. It's not tall enough to get on the rides. <laughs> you're not tall enough, gotcha. Uh, your son could like post up Polly, which is a problem, right? Yeah, yeah. You should see him. He he's a he's a tower in the third, fourth grade Webster used bas- used bas- basketball. Love so. it. 
All right. Uh, Does a great uh, job. Unless you've got a solution on the basketball team, we'll, we'll move on to football. So, you have anything to offer? Or? No, I, I okay. mean my my eligibility is run up, so I don't know if I can get okay. out there anymore. Um, I, I, you know, I think you'd be the type of big man. My kids are only in the third and fourth grade. We can't get them there soon enough. Yeah, but uh, you know, overall, can't help you there. I think you're the type of big man, Adam, that would have a little bit of time, uh, a little difficulty in covering much court. I, I don't, I don't see you bouncing out on a three point shooter and then recovering yeah. for a rebound. Yeah, no, I just play in between the paint, you know. <laughs> I like it. All right. Uh, what I got. Signing day today. This is the, the second go-around of this early signing period, which is a boon for programs like Syracuse to uh, get guys that are uh, now locked in with their commitments. Uh, about uh, 16, 17 commits today for uh, Syracuse football. And did you notice what Coach Babers had said about it, Adam? It was like, you know, the first part of our recruiting class was based on us being 4-8. and eight. And the last part of the recruiting class was based on us being nine and three. How can yeah, you? Yeah, I know it's a, it's a. I'm just gonna say, how do you quantify kind of that that bump that you can get uh, because of the on-field performance of the current team? Well, you just start to see it in in length and height and stars. You know, all all everybody can do right now is say, hey, you know, you got a the five ten, five eleven, six foot corner now. So opposed to a five seven, five eight guy. So. You start to see everything just start to scale up a little bit. And, you know, the stars are one thing, you know, the three-star, four-star thing. Um, but, you know, what it's going to be is they're getting a little bit longer, a little bit taller, a little bit more speed. And, you know, that translates to, you know, a half a step being missed out on the field that now they can go out and cover. So it's interesting to watch. You know, you've got them from all over the place. You've got a couple from Canada you know, Jersey, and now you're starting to see it stretch down the eastern seaboard, you know, where you're down into Florida a little bit, which then this bowl game will give a lot more exposure to uh, to some of those guys down in that Florida area. The game is uh, Friday of next week, the 28th, the 9-3 uh, and three Orange, 8-3 and three West Virginia, and it's about time, I guess, to start digging in on West Virginia's personnel and the game plan. I guess we won't really know until we get there, Adam, the kind of the want-to factor, which plays such a big role in the bowl, but as we've talked about, they're going to be without their starting left tackle and starting quarterback in this game, so that sets them aback and does sort of play into the idea that, you know, this game is about the development players, that they'll be uh, playing with their backup quarterback and somebody they're trying to get geared up for next year. Yeah, you know, you look at Jack Allison, he's only thrown 10 passes this whole year, transferred in from Miami um, two years ago, and now he's got a situation where he can go in, he's got 15 practices under his belt, he gains a little bit of, um, you know, of a relationship with the wide receivers, but, you know, the reality is now Dana Holgerson is going to come in and say, hey, what can you do? Uh, this, is your, this is your test right now. Uh, can you swing it around like Will Greer did and put up the numbers that they know that this offense can do. What do you think from Syracuse is kind of the most important in terms of scheme and and preparation for this game? Because, yes, it partly is a transition from one year to the next. You also want to send Eric Dungy out a winner and uh, a chance for him to take another step forward on the record list in a lot of ways. How do you see them playing this game? Uh, You know – you look at what Dino had said earlier, uh, earlier on in this bowl prep, and 
you know, he says it's going to come down to the defense. And, you know, you look at guys that have really developed over a period of time at the linebacker position, and, you know, Guthrie and Kylan Whitner have done a fantastic job. Um, now it's, hey, can those guys go off with a bang? As well as, you know, you look on the other side of the ball and you say Dungy and some of those guys on the offensive line, can they go out with a bang? But it's really going to come down to, you know, those two guys in the middle. Can they get into some of the coverages? Uh, because they're going to be stressed, stressed a little bit because, you know, with Wesco being a, a pretty good tight end, you know, all big, all big 12 guys. So they're going to be stressed a little bit more than they have uh, throughout the season because they're going to have to stop the run. And then they've got this uh, shifty tight end that, uh, you know, he's, he's big, he's physical, he can body him up a little bit. Um, so that's going to be an interesting matchup throughout the whole game. All right, my friend, uh, can't wait for it. Looking forward to uh, kind of seeing you down there in Florida and really breaking down the, the X's and O's in this one and, and get a feel for the game. So Merry Christmas to you and yours, and we'll uh, see you under the sun, okay? All right, we'll see you in Orlando. That's, I, once had a girl at, uh, I, once had a girl, I once had a girl at Coleman's <laughs> tell me I wasn't tall enough to ride the ride. <laughs> I was buying her drinks all night. She goes, oh, it's awfully nice of you, but you're not tall enough to ride. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Appreciate uh, Adam Terry being with us on uh, Wednesdays throughout the the football season. Couldn't get out uh, of here quick enough. (laughs) That's right. He was was ready to bolt. Uh, We'll have uh, Mike Waters on the show tomorrow talking hoops and uh, more of your phone calls. Those were fun today. Back with all of that as we get back in the booth tomorrow on ESPN Radio at 2.